0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. One of the wonderful things about having young children around is being able to marvel at how quickly they grow. One minute they're crawling around on the carpet, the next they're asking for the car keys. One of the wonderful things about getting older is realizing how much time it takes for one to change and grow. But we do grow in godliness. Now, one of the ways I am becoming more and more godly, more and more like God, is in these two habits. I am beginning to note, especially as people bring these habits to my attention, I am beginning to develop a tendency to repeat myself, and a tendency to like the sound of my own voice. (laughs) That's good news, because God, may I say, likes to repeat himself, to say the same things over and over, and he certainly likes the sound of his own voice. God also especially likes to hear the things he said to us over and over, especially when they are said back to him over and over. This is the whole basis of prayer. As we learn to pray as Jesus did by praying the Psalter, writing it on our hearts so that it may be given back to God in times of our need. I remember the refrain of Psalm 31. This is um, Coverdale. uh, Into your hand, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Coming back in the plain chant version. Uh, These are Jesus' words on the cross. Also, as I was set on the operating table in the cardio unit of CDH, I was inwardly at peace as those words came into my mind, even as those around me were working with their own calm intensity, trying to beat the clock. They didn't quite, but if you're going to die, where better to be than on the operating table in the cardio unit of CDH? These words come back when they are written on our hearts in times of need. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews joins the prophet Daniel and our Lord himself as he stares into troubled times. Jesus says, And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I have often wondered what those words would be like if one could do that, permit God to truly speak through us. For those who haven't been there lately, this is, what full gospel spirit-filled worship feels like. It's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit, God speaking through you. And this is exactly what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. And as our texts tell us again and again, you really get spirit-filled when your world is falling about you, when this is your daily victory. Quote, For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, I do not know about you, but when times get tough, I may get going, but I tend to clam up as far as talking to God, let alone listening for new input. It's a habit and it can be changed, but it still presents itself, especially actually at times of minor irritations like tripping over the dogs in the morning and not so much when the world really does seem to be falling apart. It's not a time I get prophetic. Rather, I get pathetic. (laughs) But prophets are inspired. There's great pathos, but they speak words that are not their own. And this is exactly what Jesus says will become of some of us. We will speak with words which are not our own, as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. Now, will this be some divine dictation, like the voice in the earbud of the sportscaster? Or will these Holy Spirit words be our words, too? Uttered from the depths of our being, welling up within us as the truth of the moment hits home. Our words, and yet God's words, God the Holy Spirit's words, too. I think all of the above. We are told that God dwells in us. With the gift of faith also comes the presence of the living Christ. And it is Christ present in us to will and to do all that he wills to do, who is the source of our continuing life. In truth, however, if we want to know what Jesus is talking about when he speaks to his disciples, we don't have to wait so long as for some crisis to come our way, even a crisis like the disciples' face, which I suspect is not that far in the future. We can turn to the Acts of the Apostles, and we will see God's people, filled with the Holy Spirit, immediately jump headlong into the hot water. What do they do, these disciples, when the world rises up against them? They preach. And what do their words sound like? Look at St. Peter in Acts 3 or St. Stephen, the first martyr in Acts 7, and you will see surprise that the words that God gives them are words that God has already given them somewhere along the way. When up against an unruly mob, the apostles tell a story, always the same story, God's story, the grand narrative, as N.T. Wright calls it, the story of salvation, starting with Genesis and reaching over to Revelation. They know the story. They have learned it, at synagogue, at their parents' feet. That story, like the Psalter, is written on their hearts. It has been committed to memory through hours and hours of patient instruction. Why do I need to know this? Even they must have asked. For a time such as this comes the answer. God likes to hear his own words, and yes, God repeats himself. When we will say the creed shortly... It will be the perfect template of what the apostles called preaching. The creed is our best sermon on the apostolic model. They put in a little more of the Old Testament, but again, we have Dr. Wright to help us with that. Put into memory, committed, written on the heart, these words, God's words, can be recalled in the time of need. But if they're not there, it's a much more difficult task to find them. Right now under our feet, our children are being led through the story of salvation. They are taking on and taking in those narratives which never make it up here, but which are threaded together to make that big story, which is our story too. We live in troubled times. We have leaned too much, we Midwestern suburban evangelicals, on institutions to structure our faith, and provide us with safe havens in which we may pursue our private devotions, our quiet time. How quiet it has been to the world around us is something we are now discovering. Christianity has been our leisure activity. The quiet has been deafening to a world which has gone its own way far from our comfortable suburban ghettos. That world is no more. The task of proclaiming that gospel again here, right here, to our children, the task of being missionaries here, right here, has fallen to us. No more from Wheaton to the nations. It's time the nations sent some help to Wheaton, and thank God they are doing it. The task of the church, then, supremely, is to make sure that the story is read, reread, rehearsed, and written on the hearts and minds of our children and maybe still of us while there is time. We can no longer ask the schools to provide anything more than a minute of deafening silence. We stand where the apostles stood in a world becoming more and more hostile. No a world more and more irritated by a gospel which that world perceives not as threatening, not even as convicting, but simply is irrelevant. That's the world we face. That is the world the apostles faced. How fast these things can creep up on us. So I appeal to you to continue to give us your time, your treasure, and above all, your talents in greater and greater measure. We are called to be full-time workers more and more, carrying our message out into the world where we work and play. In return, I commit our community to the work of equipping and empowering you For that task, I've said this before over the years, always thinking I had a little more time for that task. But people aren't going to ask me anymore my opinion on matters of faith. The plastic collar I wear is no longer seen as a sign of authority or even as threatening, but simply irrelevant. We heal the world's hurts so that the world may hear the word which alone can heal, which alone can bring the message of a God who became king, a God who died so that we may be freed from death, the living death which drags all life down to the level of survival, the survival of the fittest, the creed of the world out there. Please pray that we may use the time we have For the matter is urgent. But pray as well that we will work with focus in the peace that comes from knowing come what may. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Hallelujah.